Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, a Friday, September 10th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. And I've been excited for this episode to come out. I had a chance a couple days ago to catch up with Flyers Senior Advisor to the General Manager and Player Development, Mike O'Connell. Now, if you recall last week, early last week, uh, from Development Camp, he had a press availability. And he was so interesting to, t- to hear from in regards to how he looks at roster building, player development, young players and evaluating them in the arc towards getting to the NHL. So immediately when I heard that press conference, I said, I got to talk to Mike. So we efforted that and we made it happen. And you're going to hear a half hour conversation right now with the senior advisor to the general manager and player development. It is Mike O'Connell joining us on Flyers Daily. Mike, how you doing? Doing great, thanks. Thank you, Jason. Nice to be a part of it. Uh, how's your summer been? My summer has been has went well. You know, uh, it's over now, but um, you know, had a chance to change organizations, which uh, was very exciting for me. Uh, become part of the Flyers family, and uh, you know, getting get, getting established here and understanding um, what's in place and and as well as getting to know the players. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to it very much. The summer was very good. Thank you. Change is always good in life, you know, because it's not only good for hockey teams because it just kind of keeps everybody on their toes a little bit, but change is exciting, and change has this fan base very excited. Uh, All your years in L.A., uh, you guys had tremendous success. You bring a lot of that experience here. Uh, You know, to to come to a new team and apply that experience with a different group has got to be part of that excitement, I would imagine. It is, you know, um, it's, it is exciting. You know, I was very happy in Los Angeles. It just became a little more difficult, uh, to travel, you know, to do my job correctly, to be in, involved with the players and developing the players. I, I just feel you, I just spend more time in Los Angeles and, uh, spoke to the general manager, Rob Blake out there, and he might've wanted me to do a little bit more. And I just said, you know, Blakey, I just don't, I, I just don't think it's, it's in the cards right now. So, uh, and and then this opportunity came upon. I, I met with uh, met with Chuck and uh, liked what the, liked what I heard and he liked what he heard. So uh, it, it worked out. So I'm really looking forward to a little closer to home. You know, my home's in Boston, so I get down here in four or five hours drive or even quicker in a flight. So it gives me give me a little bit quicker access and more access to the players, which I think yeah. is important. And closer to family, too, which is very important as well for you. I know you mentioned that in your availability. Um, you know, coming into a new organization and, and assessing things with very fresh eyes is very important as well. Uh, what's kind of your initial reactions to kind of the changes that the Flyers made this offseason? Because they are a plenty from your addition and many more off the ice uh, to many on the ice as well. Well, I don't really, I can't really answer that question because I really didn't know too much uh, about the Flyers until I got aboard. You know, I know Chuck, Chuck and uh, Brent has worked extremely hard and, and um, you know, just kind of adding and subtracting from the roster and, and making the Flyers a more competitive team. Um, it looks like, it looks great. You know, that's a lot, a lot of work that went into that, uh, all those deals they made. And uh, so it's hard, it's hard for me to comment on what was here beforehand because I really didn't know. Um, but I, I do know that my first impressions with the young players here, I'm very excited about a lot of them. Um, you know, a lot of them are, uh, and I don't really, I didn't really know as well because I was really focused on the development uh, process in Los Angeles, but very good group of young players, um, right age. Uh, they have the right time of experience and, and there looks like they've, 
we are they're they're about to to make some uh, big jumps in uh, in in their development. So I'm looking forward to be a part of that as well. Yeah, you know, part of it too is we've gone through the pandemic. It's been 18, 19 months, and a lot of young players have missed out on some opportunity, whether it's in the OHL or just being on the ice in, in very prime development years to take that next step. Uh, but for some of those players, it'll come and it'll be an explosion because they're getting back more back to normal. Ice is more available basically wherever you are. Uh, when you look at the situation with the young players in, in the league, we've seen the game go younger and younger you know, every year, uh, players coming in and playing more substantial roles at younger ages. Why is that, that younger players are having more success? And, and do you kind of believe that there's going to be kind of an explosion because there's maybe been a, a clog in the drain, if you will, when it came to, to, to young players entering because of the pandemic? Well, that's a good point. I think well, it's a good, uh, it's a really good question. And, uh, you know, the young players coming into the league, I think that's a fun, two function. You know, the salary cap is really kind of, um, yeah, made that possible or made that a necessity because a lot of these uh, teams have spent spent high in the uh, at the at the upper ends, you know. So you have to fill in with uh, um, uh, not as expensive players, and that's usually the case with the younger players. They haven't reached that ability yet. They they're still in their a lot of them are still in their entry level uh, contracts, which are capped and uh, so I think that's one of the reasons why you're going to see some a uh, lot of younger players in. And with regards to the pandemic, I mean, this has been such a such a weird year for these guys. I mean, some yeah. of these young men we're seeing, I mean, we, we didn't get a chance. I know in Los Angeles and now I'm talking to the development staff here in, in Riley and uh, Samuelson, uh, Shell and, and John, that they haven't seen this, these, haven't a chance to travel to see these players at all. And that's a big part of, this, of the development, you know, getting to know the players, understanding them, letting them, getting them to understand how we work. And so... Uh, we're looking forward. We have a really, a real good opportunity here to, um, to you know, really make a big change in these players because they, again, they haven't, we haven't had access and they haven't had the ice time. I mean, some of these players in the in the Ontario League didn't play at all last year. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. And that's, it's, that's you know, to take that out of a year out of a, a young man's life, but, uh, doing what he like, really enjoys doing and what he's best at. You know, so we're gonna, we're gonna. Um, we had to make some adjustments, and but we look forward to it. Yeah, and there's nothing you can compare it to because this has never happened before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. There's well, back in you know '86, that you know, no, there's yeah. no comparison here. You know, experience. You mentioned that word, and, and it's such an important one. Um, as a guy that's been in the game a long time, been a general manager, been you know an executive in this league a long time. When you look at the the dearth, the the amount of moves that Chuck Fletcher has made. I alluded to it before, not just with the roster and their significant turnover there, not only in what he brought in and what went out, but also behind the scenes. There's been a lot of reshaping of the organization, looking at every element with a critical eye and not being afraid to say we can be better in these areas and doing so in the offseason. When you look at everything that was accomplished in this offseason and considering the climate that we're in from a salary cap standpoint and everything else, what's your impression of, of, of the job of turnover that he uh, you know did this summer very strategic and very surgical yes uh difficult so if you you know having an experience in the general manager's chair i mean you make a trade if you're trying to make one trade you know that trade might involve 25 phone calls you know just to the person you're trading the trading the player to i mean you have all the um you know so so you, and to make one trade i mean sometimes you're trying to make four or five trades at the same time the way that Chuck is, and then you got to sign players and, and 
So there, that's a lot of, so if you just think of, of one trade, 25 phone calls at least, uh, he's probably made four or five of those deals. And then when you go off the ice, you think about uh, acquiring, you know, people to, uh, you know, in the management part of it or scouting or even, you know, the, um, the training part, the physical, you know, the, the doctors and the, and the um, uh, strength coaches. I mean, again, another series of conversations and homework and digging in and vetting that you do when you get into these process. I mean, it is a it is enormous uh, amount of work and strain. And uh, and then you got to, you know, first of all, you got to make the decision you're going to do it. That goes a lot goes in there. So Chuck's had a very, very busy summer and um, very busy off season. And and now it's really up to us, all of us, the coaching staff, the uh, coaching staffs in the minor leagues. Uh, the development staff, and to come up with a plan that uh, basically, you know, Chuck's Chuck's done a Chuck and Brent have done an unbelievable job reshaping this this uh, this organization in a short period of time. And now it's really up to us to make sure we get our act together and do the same type of work and same kind of detail uh, to give these players the, the best chance of succeeding. You you know, it's interesting too because I, I always talk about roster construction because I'm fascinated by it because you see teams that can have a tremendous amount of success in a regular season. Mike and and they can outscore teams six to two in the regular season, but we see it every year in the playoffs. That's not the the hockey's different in the playoffs. It's a different brand. Every inch of the ice is contested. So when you're building a team, you know, and, and you were in LA, you won a couple of cups out there. You had that team that could play those any style, but knew how to lock down. Uh, when building a team that that can have success in the playoffs, kind of what's the key for you? You got to have guys that are willing to compete, that's for sure. And you have to have those elements of physicality, accountability, and grit. Uh, but what's the key component for you from like a mental standpoint with players when it comes to success in the playoffs? Well, as, as you alluded to, it, it, it is a different, uh, it's a different game altogether. You're playing, so, so in a seven-game series possibly, you're playing the same opponent seven times. It's not like you're playing uh, New York Islanders uh, on Thursday and then you're going to play the Boston Bruins on Sunday. So two different things. You have to focus on that one team. And sometimes um, that team, even though you have you have a better winning record, they might match up against you really well. So it's really the matchups and really getting the players to understand the matchups in, in your, you know, in your organization. When you go into the when you go into the playoffs and having the ability to basically say, OK, this team has has X. Uh, uh, X on the uh, left side, left, the left wing, the right, all the left wingers. This is, how, are, how do our right defensive stack up against those left wingers? Who's going to play against who? And then basically to really kind of get the players to understand that you have to outperform that guy. In the, if you're a right defenseman, you're playing, against that, you're playing against that left winger. You have to outperform that guy. And then you have to make sure that you get the players to understand that. Um, and it's not, see, that doesn't happen during the regular season because you're yeah. going again, you're going from the Islanders to the Bruins and it's, it becomes more about a, a your individual game and how you're going to play. Well, the matchups are huge in the playoffs and, and to get the players to understand that, that you have to outplay the, op, you, the guy across from you. And it could be a different thing. It's hard to do it on different on, on a, on a game to game basis, but in a, a playoff basis, it's simpler because you got one opponent. Yeah, and you got it's mitigation, right? You have to mitigate the damage they can do, and you got to inflict more damage on the other end with your left winger on their right D. Absolutely, you're absolutely right, and that is, and then, and then you have to have the really interesting part about it is because some nights it's you lay out your game plan, it's not going to work because you're maybe your right winger is not playing as as hard as he can, or he's having a tough night or stuff. So then you got to switch it up, 
The yep. players have to understand that. So it, it becomes a real depth thing, and it, it changes in a day to day. The coaches are involved. The players, the, the uh, players are really involved. That's why the playoffs are so different. You know, they're so it's really hard to predict <clears throat> who's going to win the playoffs because, you know, again, first place is versus eighth. But maybe that eighth team, that eighth place, beat uh, beat that first place team every time they played them. You yeah. Know? So. Mike, one of the things, too, is in the, in the playoffs, in hockey, you have to be able to defend. And we saw it last year, you know, a lot of change in partners, the loss of Niskanen, and, you know, the, the defense never got into any kind of, you know, fluidity and consistency in, in kind of how they were being deployed. And for good reason, you know, it had to change because you couldn't just keep throwing it out there without success. Uh, but you have a lot of big names coming in. You have a guy like Ryan Ellis, who's a proven Top pairing defenseman, right shot, right side. Rasmus Ristolainen, a big body that's going to, you know, bring a lot of physicality. Keith Yandel and others H- having that and being able to defend is, is paramount in this league. But when you look at the, the upgrades defensively, not only with the skill that comes on the ice, but also the experience, that's a big thing for some of these younger defenders as well, isn't it? It is. You know, it is. They they made some. You know. Brought in some a uh, whole different. You know, looks like the right side. I'm Lane will play. I think Yandel can play both. But it does, um, and it, it will give us time, you know, to develop the, uh, the younger players. You know, if, if they don't start out and if they if they make the team out of out of um, out of training camp, that'd be great. But it does give us some depth and gives us some time to really kind of help develop these young players to get them to the games where they need to be. And you know, as we say in development, we don't, we want to get these players uh, in the in the NHL not for a, not for a good time, but for a long time. We don't want to. We don't want to get these players to come up, play three games, and they then they then they fail, and they go back down, they come back up. We when we when these players are ready and to come up, we want them there and to make an impression, make a, an impact uh, on the success of the team for a long time. And so that that takes a little bit longer. And now, if you add that, the whole um, the whole goal is: Do you want the players to play in the National Hockey League, or do you want them to play on a, uh, on, a on a champion? The different you're saying two different things so yeah. if you want a player to play in the as a champion you it takes a little bit more time to develop those players because there's a lot of players who can play in the national hockey league but the, their style of play or how they how they go about their um their preparation and the practice time and and all the details it's a different ball game when you want to win a championship and every player is different there's there's no cookie cutter you know kind of mold that you can you know kind of apply to these players and you certainly can't apply it to position either um, do, do you see that it takes a little longer for defensemen just because, you know, they say you can't really judge an NHL defenseman until he gets to 300 games. It, that's a position because you're being attacked more. You're turning your back to plays to go to go get pucks. It's a little bit different in the sense of just straight line and attack. And as a forward, there's a little bit more uh, simplified strategic element to it than it is for a defenseman, I would think. Well, it's a, it's a good point. I always... You know, I, I kid the forwards a lot when I'm in development. You know, so so let's just let's just say that the, the forward goes down the ice. He's got a he's got a he's got a, a wide open net. and He misses the net, right? Bang! Wow! Comes to the skates to the bench. The coach says, "Nice try." Well, if defenseman goes down the ice, he gets beat one on one. They go in and score. The coach, same thing, same same difference. A goal. Yep. The guy's on the bench. Yep. So it's a whole <laughs> different mindset. So you know, uh, and we we kid a lot about that, but. You know, playing defense, there's a there's there's a lot more at stake. Uh, your mistakes are are magnified. The closer you get to your own net, the mistakes are magnified. So, 
Uh, again, missed open net. No big deal here. Nice pat in the back. Good try. You know, defenseman, no, you're on the bench. See you later. You can't play anymore. So teaching him that, getting him to understand that, um, and, and you're, and you're absolutely right as well about the, uh, every, every player learns differently. I mean, you have, you, you have to understand the players. And one of the biggest aspects of development is, is establishing that relationship with the athlete, you know, letting him know that you really care and, and you want to get to know him. You want to know what he's going through. Uh, and that starts after, right after the draft. And unfortunately, most teams and, you know, Philadelphia is no different than any other. We didn't have that opportunity last year because of the pandemic to get out there and establish those relationships. So we're really trying to start that, you know, get to know these guys a little bit more and and build that trust um, uh, so we can help them get through those times and get through the and so they can believe in us. And um, and it's a it's a unique development is a unique position in the in uh, in, in our in our in our game, because different from coaching, we don't control their ice time. You know, we yeah. don't. So they can, they, we want to establish, let us know what they're going through, how they feel, ups and downs. And it's, it's, a, it's a terrific, terrific position to be in. Yeah, those foundational blocks, the initial blocks of, of trust and that relationship are so important. And like you said, that starts right away. You know, the interesting thing is, is when a team gets scored on, it's deflating. If you miss an open net, hey, you were in the right spot. We missed one. We didn't get one, but it's not as deflating as it is for that defenseman when you give up a goal because of what that that sag that happens on the bench. You know, when you get scored on, there's a buzzer that goes off, and if you're on the road, twenty thousand people stand up and point at you. <laughs> They're yeah. still hiding from it, right? Well, that's right, but you can't hide. <laughs> so whatever I, whatever you know, again, I'm just kidding, of course. But when a defenseman gets scored on, if he gets caught up the ice and he gets scored on. I tell them, don't even go near, don't even, when you're way back and they score, don't even go near the net because they're trying to figure out who, what, who made the mistake. Yeah. So if you show, if you show up late in the screen, ah, there, that's the reason. So uh -huh. just go, just go right to the bench. Yeah. And make <laughs> sure you're at a camera shot. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, the other part too, to that same effect is goaltending and the development of goaltending because it's a fascinating one. And, and like, you know, skaters, defensemen, forwards, wingers, centers, uh, the, the, the arc of development is far different. In your experience, and, and you've experienced some pretty good guys out there in LA and, and throughout your career, you know, how do you kind of measure when guys are ready to make jumps in, in, at the goaltending position? You got, you got a couple of good young ones with Ursan, Ustamenko, and Sandstrom right now that you're dealing with, and plus Carter Hart. Yes, it's a that's a uh, it's a tough one. You know, I have a theory on goaltending is um, is you know, there's ten really good goaltenders a year in in the NHL. You know, there's five you can count on, and the other five you never know who they're going to be. You know, yeah. so uh, you just hope that you you have one of those 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 ten, um, but and it takes time. And you're absolutely right with the, with the goaltenders. But I think if you you know if you if you structure your team correctly, if you, and if you play the a certain system, you can your goaltender can really benefit from that. You know, if you have oh, yeah. a Lucy and I and I look at the, you know, not to you know you pick a, I, I had a chance to watch a lot of um, Martin Jones last year. You know. Uh, with who's our who's our new goal another new goalie we signed this summer another work, another job that they did they acquired, um, and I know him from Los Angeles and watched his development under Kim Delaba who's our goaltender coach here, and you know they their their defensive structure was very very difficult. Uh, yeah, let me know say. when you find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over the well, last three years <laughs> well you know they have some really good offensive players in that blue line in, in san jose but and yep. then watching jonesy you know i know what he can do and i know how stable he can be 
Um, I think if we get that, you know, if you get your defensive structure, uh, the five guys that in front of the goaltender ironed out, ironclad, and everyone knows what they're going to do, and it's it's not as not too complicated. You give your goaltender a really good chance to have a really good night, and um, so hopefully, you know, that's what I'm sure the coaches are working on right now, or the coaching staffs in, in both organizations, both uh, the Lehigh and in Philadelphia are, are kind of ironing out right now, and um, and if we can get that. If we can get the, our, our uh, you know, our defensive structure all organized and we can help develop that, I mean, help develop the players within that structure, I think our goaltending will be, will be a, a, a huge uh, uh, plus by that and, and give us a chance to win a lot more games. Yeah, there's got to be an element for the goaltending of predictability in environment. And you, I look at always look at, uh, and I've mentioned this before, at the Islanders and Doug Waits last year, they gave up the most goals in the league. Barry Trotz and Mitch Korn and his staff come in, and they give up the least amount of goals. They shaved 102 mm-hmm. goals year to year. Why is that? Defensive environment. Same Sorry. goalies. Same goalies. Same All goalies. of a sudden, couldn't stop a beach ball from the blue line the year prior, Mike. Come in the next year, they win the Jennings. You're, you're absolutely <laughs> right, and that's it, it, it's, 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 it's that simple. Um, but the game has become you know, a lot more complicated. You know, I had a great conversation with our, uh, Mike Yo today uh, regarding defense, and you know, it's become complicated. The, 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 sometimes the analytics kind of, kind of can kind of skew you the wrong way, you know? Um, you know, because if you really play defense, playing defense sometimes, a lot of it is not counted. You know, if you're in the right position, that like, and the player misses the net or the player makes a bad play, you get no recognition for that. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you measure that? You know, it's hard to measure that because it's not a, it's not an analytic stat. Okay, who's in the right position? What are we going to get? They, they, they don't, they don't measure those things. So, those that structure that you're talking about, that defensive structure, and how it affects the other team and how it affects your team is critical. And a lot of it you can't count. And so I think with the analytics that, that have kind of really become a huge part of our game, we're looking for things to count. And sometimes those things are counting. We're counting. Maybe don't make mean that much. Um, and it might it might force us to play a certain style of play that's not conducive to playing good good defense. Oh, I I say that all the time. Some things are not measurable. Everything cannot be yeah. measured. I, I'll give a guy the puck in, in my own zone in certain areas. I got yeah. no problem with that. And I'll say, hey, my goalie's going to see a clear-sighted shot from the outside here. No problem. That's pitch and catch with that in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and goalies will take that all day as well. Uh, when you look at the, the heading into this season, we're kind of getting back to normal. Uh, hopefully, you know, each building is going to have fans, and it, it was certainly odd without the fans and and the energy that they provide and, and this new season in 82 games, even though it's going to be condensed a bit again. You're going to have to go deeper kind of roster-wise because of that condensed schedule with the Olympic break still built in there. So you're going to need a little bit more depth organizationally in this uh, coming season? I, I would, uh, you know, I would think so. I, I would think so. I think you're going to need uh, depth um, now with the whole, uh, you know, the COVID protocols, you know, someone gets sick, what happens? I, I, I agree with you. I think you're going to need a little more depth. You're going to have to have, uh, be able to move, be a little more uh, fluid and flexible. Um, and, you know, that'll, that'll give, uh, sometimes you're going to have to push players into play when they're probably not ready. Um, so, you know, it'd be interesting to see. Again, it's been, you know, we all have short memories. It's, it's only been a, uh, probably almost a year and a half, two years since it's been a normal so getting back to normal, I know in the first couple of days of development camp, we were thinking, oh, wow, it's just like this all seems so brand new because we hadn't done it for for yeah. 18 months. 
And so there's going to be some adjustment with this, especially getting back into it with, you know, probably a hybrid year with, with, um, with even with the, the COVID still out there, the, uh, the protocols and injuries are going to happen. And uh, so, I, I, you know, that's a good point. I do believe that we're going to have to have probably have uh, uh, deeper and uh, deeper roster. Uh, and uh, the, the call-ups from Lehigh are going to be very important. One last question for you. Um, you know, I always say that, you know, I love guys that can fly up and down the ice with skill and speed. And it's, it's not about just that for me, though. It's, you know, you can get there. It's what you do when you get there. And I always come back to hockey IQ. And as a guy that's been in development and management in the NHL for so long, this is for our young listeners that are playing the game. Uh, learn the game, to me, is always the most important thing. Know where to be and what to do when you get there about hockey IQ, because even if you're not the fastest skater or the hardest shooter, you can go pretty far in this game if you know those things and a coach can trust you when he deploys you to do those things and and the, the smart plays. It's not always about the glamorous plays. That's right. And, you know, it, it's a um, – and how do, you, how do you develop that? You know, how do you develop that hockey IQ? I, I, and I have a – you know, I, I believe, truly believe the game is the best teacher to play, yep. you know, um, you know, coaches and minor league coaches, or minor, I mean, the minor, in the minors, you know, the Bantams and the Peewees and youth coaching. Um, I'm not sure if the kids uh, have enough unstructured play um, in, and how to figure out, you know, and, I, and I've had this discussion many times with coaches, um, you know, and I, I look back in my career and I look back in a lot of these young other people, no one, uh, no one taught me how to play. I learned it. You know, I learned, no one's told me you got to go here, you got to go there. And that's, that's a spatial relation. As you talked about the hockey sense is being able to see the space and where the, where, where it's available and to try to teach that you can, you can, you can give, you can give players, um, certain cues to help them, you know, certain things to look for, but the, how they measure that up, how they measure the space, the space between the plays and, um, and where to go is, is very difficult to teach. They have to learn it. So you have to put them in those situations as much as, much as possible. Um, the, um, you know, and, and, and actually, you know, you, you break it down even more. If you really want to get into it, the, the game of hockey, if you, and you, you obviously, you know, quite a bit about the game. Um, it's really what happens between the drills. You know, think about it. You do a one-on-one drill, you do a two-on-one drill, you do a three-on-two drill. Those are, those are easy. Okay, so the three-on-two drill turns into a one-on-one the other way. That transition there is what hockey sense is all about. Yeah. And how do you teach that without playing? It's 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 impossible. So yeah. because everything's scripted, a lot of these a lot of these coaches and younger, it's everything scripted. They want to look like they do. But drop the puck, let the kids play. Just make sure that sure they work and praise them when they make good plays. Yeah, because it's a flow sport. Yeah, you can go. Okay, we're going to break out the three-on-two. That's now the D. Or that are going to be the three on, you know, defending the three on two. Okay, they know they're they're coming in yeah. on three on two. Here's my space, you know. Here's how I'm going to gap. Here's how I'm going to space. Here's the speed. Here's the structure of it, you know, because we just talked about it prior to the drill. You know, it's it's things too like not passing to a guy six feet away, putting the puck where he can skate into it six feet away, not That's passing right. to the man, passing to a space. You know, those are the things that like really impress me when you see young players. Like I saw that in Cam York. I see a guy that goes, you know gets into the NHL in those three games and you know, you could stretch the ice if you want. And a lot of, and that's a big part of it now, but I just see real confident 
and real relaxed six to eight foot passes. Yeah, from him. And I go, oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. No, he's very calm. You watch him play. He's got a very calm game. He's very calm, yeah. you know, and I, and I use it as a, for me, the defensive moves the team. Like he's the quarterback and mm-hmm. I use the analogy all the time. Okay. So you got Tom Brady and you got Michael Vick, right? Tom Brady's, you know, he's stable. He gets his feet underneath him. Everyone can see what he's doing, where he's going, what he's thinking. The receivers can see him. Or you know, Michael Vick, unbelievable talent. But uh, it's just imagine him on their hockey rink, all all over the ice, trying to move the puck. Like if you're trying to receive the puck, you don't know where to go. Yeah. So so, and I think I think uh, uh, Cam provides that. I I've just seen him play a few times. Very calm. Gets the, he he moves the puck. He's a quarterback. Moves it. Doesn't throw too many interceptions. Simple plays. Get up and he and he defends correctly. So uh, he's he's a he's a he's a blue chipper. That kid. He's going to be fine. Yeah, his heart rate didn't seem like it was over yeah. 70 beats per minute. And to use the old NFL films analogy, he matriculates the puck up the ice. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, Mike, this was awesome, man. I, I know you're going to be a big asset to the organization. Already are. And I enjoyed your press conference. And I said, I got to talk to Mike because I just, I'm fascinated by, you know, I just love talking about roster construction, development, and, and all those things because there's, you said it, they are so important. And, you know, you got to get you got to get meaningful contributions from players on entry level contracts and salary cap sports. You have to do it, or you're going nowhere, and you, you have you, to develop your own. You're absolutely right. You got to, and, and again, just to touch briefly on that. You have to give your general manager the chances to basically, to basically, you know, if you get a player ready in the minor leagues, and he can make a trade and move someone off his roster for another for a, piece, a missing piece on someone else's roster. So for instance, you get a, you very rarely trade a forward for a forward. You trade a defenseman. You, you have a you have a defenseman um, down in the minors, and you have a defenseman up in the up in the uh, up in Philly, and that you think and you develop that player down there, take that player's place. You can move that guy for a real good asset. We did that many times in Los Angeles, and that's really what it, not only playing but give that give that uh, your general manager a chance to really build that roster through development. And it, yeah. it's just another part of it. Yeah, that's the organizational equity that I always talk about when you have good depth with with prospects. And, and you know, you can do that and you can cash those pieces in to supplement y- your big club when need be. Mike, this was awesome. Uh, I know you're going to be busy over the next couple of weeks. We're looking forward to the season. Thanks for doing this and stay well. I appreciate it, Jason. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks to Mike O'Connell for not only giving us time, but giving us a lot of time here on this edition of Flyers Daily. I, I love talking to him. Fascinating discussion, and I hope you all got a lot out of it as well. Uh, we are upon the weekend. Rookie camp opens next week. Uh, training camp the week after. And we'll be back Monday with another brand new Flyers Daily. But before we wrap up this episode, just want to send out condolences uh, to Big Daddy Graham and his family, his wife Deb, daughter Keely, and Ava uh, on a tremendous loss. Uh, I worked with Big Daddy for many years at WIP, and he was singular in nature and a guy that uh, they broke the mold on. I've never met anybody, I don't even want to say quite like him, but anything like him. And he was just such a nice guy and a kind-hearted guy, an entertainer at heart, and an entertainer to so many, either on the radio, writing books, his quizzo nights, stand-up comedy, you name it. Uh, Big Daddy Graham uh, did it all, and he did it with uh, a great enthusiasm and was an awesome, awesome person. I was very saddened to hear of his passing. I, I miss our phone calls where he would just he'd just call you on your cell phone, and he'd be in mid-conversation when you answered. There was no, hello, how you doing? None of that. It was just... 
like you were in the middle of a conversation. What did you think of Robert Plant? You know, just and he was just one of those guys that when when you saw in your caller ID on your phone that he was calling, you never knew what the call was going to be about. And when you were on the call, you never knew when that call would end because he just go, got to go. Bye. And we'll be gone. Uh, so condolences to uh, the entire Godonis family. Uh, Big Daddy will be missed. And uh, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, everybody, his family, and closest of friends. So I wanted to dedicate this episode to Big Daddy Graham. Have a great weekend, everybody. Compare.